And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. 55 is live. Hey dudes, how you doing? Uh, thanks for joining me here. I appreciate it as always. Episode 55, you are here. I was going to find some cool sound effect of like the uh, Dr. Doctor Frankenstein from the movie saying, it's alive, it's alive. Uh, but uh, alas, I am too lazy for that. But something is alive. What is alive, you say? Something is new. A new website. Um, I would like to encourage you all to check out. Um, you can do it. It will not take you a long time. What is it? It is thedropset.com. That's right. This podcast now has an official home on the website. Now, spoiler alert, if you just go to fivestarphysique.com and click on the drop set, it's the same thing. But easy way to get there, thedropset.com. Um, so what do I have on there? Basically, it's a link to where you can listen to it, um, the devices, the, the services that you can listen to the show on. Um, it has oh, a, a link to episode archives that are stored on my site there at fivestarphysique.com and um, also the phone number for our Q&A segment. I'm still waiting for the phone to ring, by the way. So uh, once again, it's just a messaging number. I'm not going to answer the phone and say, hey, how you doing? What you eating? How's it going? Um, but it's just a message number. It's 865 865- 518-2974. That number is posted on that page as well. Call in, leave a message, identify yourself, tell me where you're calling from, ask your question. I'll play it here and then we'll uh, we'll discuss it afterwards as well. So, uh, but thedropset.com is now live. So, you can go check it out. Um, coming up today, we got a couple of topics that I want to cover. Um, one of them was born out of a Facebook post that I made. So, I, w- I was intending to talk already about some top gym mistakes. And so I asked feedback from my Facebook audience, what are your contributions? And we actually had a really good discussion for that. And a lot of, a, a lot of my top five were unseated by um, suggestions from people who commented on that post. So a good reason to follow me on Facebook. This is like the, the self-promotion segment of, of the show here. So facebook.com slash five star physique, like the page, uh, you know, contribute, uh, comment, like posts, share them, etc. I'll be forever in your debt. Um, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about peak week, um, and kind of the, the how and the why, um, how to do it, how to do it correctly. And also without getting too deep into the weeds, um, because I am not an organic chemistry student. Um, so if I, if I were to put on my, my Lane Norton or Jim Stepani hat and, uh, you know, put on my fake lab coat and say, well, this is exactly what, I mean, no, nobody's going to believe that coming from me and they shouldn't. But what they can believe from me is a whole lot of anecdotal evidence, um, from clients that I've worked with and from doing it myself as well. So, um, I would love to be able to tell you why all this stuff works, but you know what? Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, I don't know. I mean, I, I do know on a basic level, but I, I equate it to this. You know, you know how to use a computer. Okay, that's one thing. You can use a word processor. Well, do you know how to write a computer program? Like, do you know how to pull up C++ or C Sharp or whatever the en vogue programming language of the day happens to be and write something in there? Well, most people don't. And I would say that's the equivalent of being a prep coach. You want to be able to program something that other people use. Um now, somebody like the aforementioned Lane Norton or Jim Stepani, 
they might be the people that then go into the weeds and say, okay, well, C++, we're going to be the people who write the C++ programming language. And you know what? The vast majority of your prep coaches, they aren't going to do that and they don't necessarily need to. It's not really relevant. So you're going to miss out on that level of data from me. Um, but what I will tell you are the variables that I consider, why I consider them, how I manipulate them, how to do it right and how to do it wrong to the best of my ability. Um, simply because I'm going to speak in very generic terms because everybody does things a little bit differently for sure. So, uh, and everybody, they need to, they need to be treated a little bit differently also. So we'll talk about that. We've got a return of, uh, the pet peeve of the week, um, which actually is the, uh, related to our poll question this week and then a guest for music of the week, uh, as well. So we will uh, get to all that in due time. Um, last week I put out a call for, um, reviews and comments wherever you listen to the drop set, drop a rating in there, leave a comment, a review. Um, and I said I'd read them. And so I got a couple, a couple of them came in. Thank you for that, by the way. I really appreciate it. Um, and I will renew the call as well. And I probably will do this and it's going to get really annoying and I apologize in advance, but Hey, you know what? Um, I was going to say, <laughs> if you don't like it, stop listening, but don't, <laughs> please don't stop listening. So I don't know. Uh, just bear with me. It'll be brief. Uh, so um, CastBox is one place where I was encouraging feedback. And so James T. Honeycutt Jr. Thank you. He says, keep going. I will, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was from a few days ago. Um, Stitcher, you can still, if you listen to this podcast on Stitcher, you can be the first one to rate it and write a review. And if you don't, I will. I, I will leave a review on my own podcast and I will look like an absolute tool in so doing. So please save me from that. Somebody who listens to this on Stitcher, go leave a review, please, so I don't have to be the first one to do it. Um, and then also um, iTunes. Um, uh, Ebuff Bear said, easy, uh, entertaining and easy to understand. Thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, Fit Mom Aaron. Aaron, thank you, by the way. Um, I, I periodically see uh, notifications from you on Instagram as well, so I know you're an avid listener. Thank you for that. Appreciate the kind words as well. Um, said, great presentation was one of your comments. I work on that. If I can't have quality, uh, <laughs> quality things to talk about, I at least want it to sound good and sound like it was well produced. <laughs> Hopefully one day I will hit all of the marks on that. So, um, and yes, Erin, um, congratulations, by the way, she did just get up on stage. I think it was about two weeks ago, if I remember correctly. So, um, got that first show in the books, which is awesome. So congrats on that. Um, okay. So yes, new reviews, always welcome, please. Thank you. I, uh, mentioned the call in number already, 865-518-2974. Leave a message, ask your questions. You'll hear them here. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. Maybe we'll do a whole segment of Q and a, if my phone starts ringing off the hook this week. Um, we had, uh, I had several clients competing last weekend. So, uh, four of them actually I have one competing tomorrow. Good luck, Mary. Um, uh, we've been, uh, in touch, uh, throughout the day periodically trying to get all the, the final nuts and bolts put in place. And then we'll touch base tomorrow morning to make sure everything looks good there. Um, and then this coming weekend, um, I've got, uh, Tyler, um, in Oregon. I think she's actually going out to California for the show. And then, uh, Lana here in Tennessee will be competing down in Chattanooga as well. So good luck to both of you, but rewinding a week, um, we had, uh, two up in the Northeast, um, Chris in Rhode Island who took 
first and overall, uh, uh, first in his novice class and novice overall, and second in open in men's physique in his first show. Congrats to Chris um, Nichelle, who did an OCB show in, oh, I'm going to get this right, Connecticut, um, did a natural show, um, did bikini, and she did bikini tall and novice and open, took third out of 10 in each of those. We got some good feedback. She's going to be hitting it again in a couple more weeks. Um, and then uh, Samantha and Anne-Marie both did uh, the OCB no, Se- no Gear Classic in Greensboro, I believe, North Carolina. Um, and they, they both did novice and open. And uh, they, they both, man, they, they both worked really hard. And, um, they put in some competitive results. Sam got, oh boy, I want to say third, I believe, in novice, fifth in open. And boy, Anne-Marie, I think, got second. I should I should have researched this stuff before. The numbers, you know, I always tell people we don't focus on the placements too much. What we want to do is bring the best conditioning that we possibly can. And as such, especially when we've got a bunch of people competing on the same day, you know, it's like my wife says, numbers, you know, in one ear, out the other. I'm pretty good with numbers, but they all become a jumble before too long. So anyway, congrats to everybody. Um, lots of hard work put in. Um, Nichelle is competing again in a couple more weeks. Chris is actually uh, as well. He's going to be, uh, he was in... Rhode Island. He's going to be coming down to North Carolina to do a show here in Wilmington um, in a couple weeks. So, uh, let's see. Personal update. I'm going to keep it brief uh, on on my front here. Um, I have undertaken um, a major project, which is a deck rebuild. So I'm tearing the entire structure down and building a new one. Um, there are many challenges present in this. Not the least of which is the whole damn thing is 12 feet off the ground. So. Um, it, it can be a little dicey. I'm looking up here right now and I've got three boards left to remove and then I'm just down to three posts that are stuck in the ground. So, um, it's pretty much done. I'm going to put up a Craigslist ad begging somebody to come with a 12 foot trailer and haul all this wood away for free because I, I did try to save as much of it as I could. So it's still very usable. Um, and then, cause right now it's currently sitting in my garage. And then once that's gone, I'll, uh, hit the submit order. I've got a cart, um, sitting at Lowe's.com right now with several hundred items in it <laughs> waiting for me to press that button as soon as I've got room in the garage for all of it to show up. So, uh, and then I'm going to be digging holes and pouring footings and putting in six by six posts and installing a new ledger board, installing a, uh, four by 12 girder. And then the, it just goes from there. So, um, I've been posting periodic updates in my Instagram story showing the demolition process and that will continue through the construction process as well. That's eaten up most of my spare time. Usually, I, uh, I I start off the day with, you know, work and then work out and then some more work and then I'll take a break and go sweat my freaking ass off outside for a few hours, come back in, shower, more work, and then basically it's bedtime at that point. So i um, been trying to get in some some work outside during the daylight hours whenever I can. Band practice continues on as well. Um, we have another gig. It's now June, actually. This is June 1st. So I've got another gig in a couple weeks. I'm playing at the same place we played a couple weeks ago. So um, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much what I got. So we got a pet peeve coming up. We've got music of the week coming up. Um, we've, we're going to talk about gym mistakes. We're going to talk about peak week. So let's just roll on into it. Get going with it. Get ready to rock. It's music of the week. 
Okay, I am outsourcing music of the week for this episode. Last week, I had a Skype session with a client to go over posing. And then after that, um, knowing that her musical tastes are way different from mine, I asked if she'd be willing to throw together a playlist. And she graciously agreed. And so she's here now to tell us all about it. This is Veronica Kimsey. Hey, V, what's up? Hey, guys. How's everybody, how's everybody doing? Well, I, I will speak for everybody and say that they're really excited about this. So um, <laughs> we shall see. So um, I am a fan of what I would classify as being non-electronic, non-dance music. So then for you, you're pretty much the polar opposite. So I'm like, yeah, I'm looking through this playlist you put together here. I don't, I don't recognize anything more than like one or two names on here. And then I recognize uh-huh. them only by name and I don't know anything about them. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the norm for most people. Okay, so I recognize, let's see, the names I recognize are the Chainsmokers and Swedish House Mafia. I couldn't tell you anything about either of them. And then I recognize The Weeknd, and I can name, like, one of his songs, but that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so. they are, um, those two names that you mentioned are probably uh, two of the more popular names uh, for, the, I guess, the mainstreamers of EDM. Um, this is also because they have had radio play. Um, a couple of the other names on there have also had radio play as well. It's probably just for like a random song, like way back when. I got you. So are a lot of these, like, are they, I mean, who, who are these people? Are they like DJs? Are they remix artists? I mean, what? who are they? Yeah, okay. So they are all um, and they have been around, I think they've been around for quite a while. Um, I actually need to pull up what I put on there because it's been a minute since I looked. You can't even remember, um, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, so the Chief Smokers, they probably the most popular out of everybody. We're, we're kind of losing you a little bit. Can you uh, ch- check the phone a little bit? It seems like you're getting a little far away from it. We're having a tough time hearing you. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me better? Yeah, that's better. Good. So, yeah, so the Chief Smokers on um, the list are probably the most uh, well-known name because pretty much all of their songs go directly towards, uh, towards radio. Um, okay. They're also known to be, uh, sometimes in the EDM world, uh, sellouts, because uh, <laughs> they, tend to, <laughs> they tend to make music that appeals more to the masses and more of like the poppy crowd. Um, but I really like their stuff because they know the art audience that they're targeting, and um, they do make really catchy songs. Um, so, in, you know, in my opinion, you know, you can make songs that more people like more people are aware of as long as they're good you know i'm gonna listen to them i don't really have the category in my mind of oh that guy's a sellout (laughs) right right now would you say i mean for for you and the way that you interpret this stuff is you know most edm would you qualify to this that is like hey this is good workout music or is there some that's more appropriate or less oh yeah absolutely um so i tend Shocker! To, when I'm on prep, get a little emotional. <laughs> really? So, no um, way. That can definitely um, translate into my workout sometimes, um, especially if I'm just having a really bad day. And normally, when going to the gym, I'd work out. You know, feel really good. Of course, having a particularly rough day because of not eating any carbs or having extra cardio put in. Um, I don't know what you're talking I, about. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about at all. So. Um, <laughs> I really need music that helps, like, keeps me going, gets me uplifted. And the super cool thing about EDM is that there's so many genres, so many genres that I can 
find a song for any type of mood I'm in. Um, and actually, a lot of the time, I'll listen to music that makes me feel like I'm not even in the gym at all. Like, it's the type of music that you can just get lost into really easily. And before you know it, you know, this first set of four leg, uh, four, yeah, the first set of four sets of 15 leg presses is already done. <laughs> and I've got three left. And then before I know it, I'm all done and on to the next exercise. Nice. So you can really, really find yourself in the zone pretty easily. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. Now, fun fact also for the listeners out there, we actually delayed the start of your prep because you were going to a music festival. Yeah, very true. <laughs> were uh, any of the artists on this playlist present down there? Yes. Yeah, so uh, looking at it now, they were actually one, two, I'd say probably about a quarter of the names on there. Um, wow. Yeah, so it was actually really cool because you mentioned Swedish House Mafia. Um, they are very notorious um, in the EDM world. Um, just very well known and pretty much it's, it's very rare to find someone who doesn't like them. And uh, okay. they actually disbanded in 2000 and 2012 um, just for a lot of like creative differences. But they, uh, not so surprised, reunited at the music festival that I went to and it was just I can't even describe it. Like just everybody was good Lord, just in the zone and like nobody could believe that they were actually seeing what they were seeing. People so were kind of losing their shit just, a little bit. Yeah. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Bangers and barbells is the name of the list. Yeah. What does that mean? Like headbangers? Yeah. So uh, okay. <laughs> bangers to me. <laughs> Well, bangers is just like music that really gets you in the mood and like that you listen to it. And it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I'm super hyped for this. Um, and for me, I categorize, or I, the songs are in two categories. A, songs that get me really hyped when I'm in the gym or B, make me feel like I'm not in the gym at all. So all the songs that I selected, well, like I said, fall into one of those two categories. Nice. Okay. Cool. Bangers and barbells. So you've got that put together. I'm going to co-op that list and throw it up. So if people search for Five Star Physique on Spotify, they can find it there as well. You'll get credit for that. So I appreciate you taking the time to not only put it together, but also come on here and tell us about it a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I EDM still gets a lot of slack. Right? Um, a lot of people can give it like just a negative connotation, just like, oh, you know, it's annoying. It sounds like robot music. But I hope that... Um, <laughs> For anybody who does uh, give it a chance and takes a listen, just just open their mind to you know a different type of music and maybe realize, hey, this is something that's going to help me get through my workouts too. Totally. Well, and I'm going to expand my horizons. I'm going to check it out and uh, give it a listen, and I'll let you know what I think. Awesome. Sounds good. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Veronica. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. So the pet peeve was on hiatus for, I don't know, a week, maybe two weeks. And you might start thinking, wow, is this the, the new, you know, uh, Darren with softer edges all around that's just not quite such a hard ass? No, I mean, realistically, the last couple episodes, you know, we had 
um, interviews and such, and they just uh, you know they they take more time and they're worth the uh, they're worth the discussion time as well. So uh, I cut some things here and there, and you know kind of keep you lively a little bit. Got got to keep you paying attention. But I am back, and um, this was a suggestion from a client who uh, clearly shares this with me. And this isn't just going to rant. I want to try and uh, educate and inform a little bit here as well. So um, the training mask. If you have seen these things before, they're these, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, I'm going to make my opinion very clear here. They're these ridiculous looking masks that people wear, usually when they're doing cardio, sometimes when they're lifting as well. Uh, and the, the idea is they, they create a hypoxic environment. So there's a, a they restrict airflow into your lungs and they, they you know, if, if we put it in simple terms, it's kind of like simulating high altitude training where the oxygen is thinner. So the idea being you get more of a cardiovascular benefit from it. So a few, uh, a few things I did because, you know, I, I was familiar with some studies that had done been, been done on this before, but I wanted to kind of revisit those a little bit and just make sure that I was going to offer a fair and informed uh, take on the whole thing. I'll give you my opinion, clearly. I mean, you know what it is, and I'll flesh that out momentarily here. Um, so several things. There, there, there are some benefits. There are some drawbacks as well. Um, benefits. So uh, th there was a, an, a write-up that I read, and it was from the National Academy of Sports Medicine, NASM, um, and it was referencing one of their trainers, and his name was Carl, something like that. And I say it only because he's referenced in this quote that I pulled from the article. And the article, this is from 2015, said, quote, in his short time using the training mask, Carl has no doubt about its performance-enhancing capabilities. Well, great. Thanks, Carl, for that really, really useful analysis. That's like me saying, I think BCAAs are awesome because I feel better when I take them. Well, I mean, have you ever heard of a placebo effect? I mean, that's the whole point behind studies is so that we don't have to rely on nonsense like that. So I, I will call you out, NASM. You are the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, there was not a lot of, uh, of legitimate information in that write-up. And anecdotal stuff like this is worthless. So shame on you. Uh, you can do better than that. Um, so studies have been done, and they do show that, that um, if you use it appropriately, um, a training mask can increase your uh, ventilatory threshold, your VO2 max. It can strengthen the lungs, but there is a, a caveat to that in that you're creating additional pulmonary stress. You are stressing the lungs harder, and that's not always a good thing. Um, and, and certainly it's something that you want to use in moderation, and it's not something that you want to use all the time consistently thinking you know, clearly more is better. It's something that you have to use selectively. Um, it has actually been shown if, if you're concerned about performance, well, I mean, you're, you're training in a low oxygen environment. So it has been shown to specifically reduce performance, your output by as much as 20%. So, and the idea being, well, yeah, but then when you remove it, then your performance is increased. Well, not necessarily. There isn't really a direct comparison between those. Um, it can increase your VO2 max, but specifically they were talking about like for lifting, there's no benefit to wear it when you're lifting. Um, it's going to reduce your performance and, you know, an increased VO2 max does not necessarily help when you're lifting. Um, it's, it's designed to kind of mimic high altitude training, but the thing about high altitude training is that in and of itself is kind of a myth. There have been a lot of studies that have shown that you get more benefit sleeping 
at a high altitude than training at a high altitude. So, um, and then you might say, well, maybe I should just wear this mask when I sleep. Well, they call it a training mask, not a sleeping mask. Um, and the, the, the concern there would be, you know, if something were to go wrong, you were misusing the product and they would claim that, you know, they, there's, there's no liability on their part. So there was a quote here also from, um, Alex Viata, and he is the owner-operator of a training facility called Complete Human Performance. And his quote was, and I will just lift directly from him, um, and this was an article from, oh, I forgot to source the website on that, but uh, it, it was a write-up of a lot of pro and cons um, of the training mask that were based in research. Um, and he, he said, quote, basically, it'd be like saying, I want you to put tax under your feet when you squat. It's going to hurt a lot, but simply making an exercise more difficult for the sake of making it more difficult does not necessarily improve performance, end quote. And for that, Mr. Alex Viata, I thank you because that really, really hammers home a lot of things that I would say about bodybuilding in general. Just because you're suffering more does not necessarily make it more productive. Now, as, as far as opinions, my opinion is this, and, uh, you know, God forbid I offend anybody here, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. The only people I've ever seen wear these training mas masks are douchebags that like it because it looks like Bane from the Batman movie. Um, and whether or not they are, are going for a specific benefit or they think they're realizing it or what, I, I honestly couldn't care. It just looks dumb. It's like an attention-getting conversation starter. It's like the, tw the, the 2017 version of Vibram five-finger shoes. Um, it's just not necessary. So uh, here you go. Less of a pet peeve and more of a, a well, there's some opinion here for sure, more of an uh, attempt to inform. So hopefully that helps shed a little bit of light on it. And you can use it if you want to and know that you're getting some benefit from it if you're using it correctly. You can hate on it as well and know that your reasons are legit for that. But now you know a little bit more about it. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. Our first feature segment this week um, comes from a Facebook post that I made earlier in the week. So uh, if you're not following my Facebook page, go over there, facebook.com slash five star physique, click the like um button and whatever else is necessary in order to I, the, the problem with with facebook pages is they just redesign their algorithms so your friends and family get higher priority in your news feed so unless you really engage with a page over time and like and comment on and share the content from that page it gets deprioritized in your news feed so it's hard for me technically a business um to kind of break through into people's news feeds just because there's so much stuff competing for your attention out there so the people that are commenting on this stuff i know they're really engaged so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. So um, I had a, a feature segment that was largely already written up, and we were going to talk about top mistakes made in the gym. And I wasn't necessarily thinking like, oh, well, your squat form sucks, but like bigger picture things about how you approach it. And so I put out a call on a Facebook post, and it was a video that I posted. And it was just about a minute long outlining what I'm doing. I'm writing this segment. I'd like to get your input, your feedback, see if you can knock any of mine off of the top five list. And a lot of people did. A lot, got a lot of response from it. Thank you to everybody who commented on that. Um, and so I present to you now the revised top five list with attribution to those. Um, I mean, a, a few of these 
were um, mine as well and other people because I didn't say, here's what I've got. I'm like, give me yours. So a few of these were redundant for ones that I already had on the list, but they were seconded by additional commenters. Um, and so I will present with attribution <laughs> where, where appropriate. And then also I got a lot of things that were not necessarily, I think my question was a little vaguely worded. Um, there were some things that were not necessarily gym specific. Um, and so I just want to give credit for those because these were really good as well. So uh, Teresa Criswell said, um, ignoring hormonal imbalances and trying to solve inflammation. And that is a big one because you can, you can work yourself into the ground, but if you're working against some kind of a hormonal issue, um, it's going to be like swimming upstream. Um, and nobody wants to be a trout in that respect. Trout, salmon, I forget. I'm from Oregon. I should know which it is, but I don't. Um, so that's a good one. Jamie Crumley also said, um, talking about getting stuck in the comparison game, comparing yourself to other people, what they've been able to do, what their metabolism lets them get away with, the kind of results that they see over a specific period of time. We're all individual, unique human beings. The only person you really should compare yourself against is you. I realize that is like the most cliched thing in the world. That's one of the few cliches that I really, really, truly believe in. And, you know, full disclosure, I've talked about this before. I get stuck in that comparison game a lot as well. I'm like, why am I not 260 pounds at 9% body fat or 4% body fat? What the hell? This is lame. I quit. You know, no, just make you the best you you can. Um, and then uh, Jennifer Peterson also chimed in and she said, talking about, you know, focusing on the gym all the time and focusing on nothing on your diet, like no time in the kitchen. It's all gym time, which of course you've got to find some balance there. And, you know, my comment back to that was absolutely at this stage, however, I've got my kitchen routine down to a science and it's all about spending as little time in there as I possibly can enough time so that I can be prepared and do what I have to do. But uh, I'm not looking to put in like a four hour prep session on a Sunday. Uh, no, my Sundays are more valuable than that. I never meal prep for more than 20 minutes at a time. Every few days, 20 minutes, you can get a lot done. So um, let's get to it. So in no particular order, your top five, number one, um, and this was actually embarrassingly not on my list originally. Um, this is from Will Langford. He chimed in and said, non-existent or bad programming. And he, he talked about people who would come in and do the same you know, four or five exercises for arms and chest every single day. I have seen people like that. I go in and like, oh, it's leg day. Well, dude, you know, you all come up with names for people in the gym. So I call this Mohawk dude over here. Um, he would come in every day and do the exact same exercises. Exact, it was always something for chest, a couple exercises for biceps, a couple exercises for triceps, the exact same exercises with, I will add, the exact same bad form every single day. I would see him in there five days a week doing the same stuff. So that would be an example of bad programming. An example of non-existent programming would be showing up to the gym. Oh, what am I going to do today? Oh, should I do legs? I think I'll do maybe back. Oh, back's a little tight. Let's do some, uh, well, let's just do some abs and some calves. I mean, you, know, you got to go in with a plan. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> salesman alert. I got programs on my website. If you're just looking for like a gym routine, go up there, click on workout plans. I got you covered. So you, you can, there, there's no excuse. And there, there are so many, my, mine are, are, are for sale. They're not free just because there's a lot of effort that went into those. You know, there's, they're detailed, they're written out, they have videos included for everything. You can go anywhere. You can go to bodybuilding.com and find, you know, a workout program that, you know, might be worth trying. You can go in just have something written out that is a plan because otherwise what you're going to do is you're going to focus on 
training the body parts that are your strongest and you're going to easily talk yourself into skipping ones that are weak. You're going to do the exercises that you like the most versus the ones that you need to do the most. So even if I just randomly write up a, a program, like I, I will write up a program and publish it online. It is not written for anyone in particular, um, but just universally, I know these are things that are good for people. You know, it's like everybody needs vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C. It's like there's things that you, everybody should do dumbbell rows for back. You know, I know it's a hard exercise. A lot of people don't like them, but you should do them and you should get really good at them, which is not to say that every back workout has to have those, but they should be a, 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 a part of your regular diet. So non-existent or bad programming mistake. Number one, number two, this came from several people. So, uh, Alicia, Catherine, Stuart Schultz, Lisa McKenzie all chimed in with some variation on emphasizing weight over form or mind muscle connection. We, we've talked about this here so many times, but this is really one of the biggest things that I see people moving. It's all see people doing. It's all about how much weight you can move, which only matters if you're a power lifter. And if you're a power lifter, it only matters for up to three exercises, squat, bench press, and deadlift. Nobody gives a shit how much you can rack deadlift, how much you can do on a shoulder press, how much you can curl. Nobody cares. If you think you're impressing somebody in the gym, I have a spoiler alert for you. You're not. Nobody cares. They might care about what you look like, like, oh, he's hot or she's hot or whatever. Nobody cares about the number that you're moving. Nobody gives a rat's ass. The only thing that cares is your body and you're putting yourself at a higher risk of injury and you're making things less productive because you get into that territory where your body is just brute forcing reps instead of actually making the muscle work. And I think it was it was Lisa specifically who chimed in with something to the effect of, you know, your, your form is bad and you're just, you know, firing on all cylinders and you're cranking away. And then before you know it, several other muscle groups have joined the party to all compete for, you know, some part of the rep that they can help in with. And when you're trying to do a curl, you don't need your glutes, your lower back, your shoulders all chiming in. Make it a bicep exercise. Just dial the weight back a little bit. Be reasonable about, reasonable about it. Focus on how it feels, what kind of a contraction you can get, regardless of the weight. Now, that being said, weight is not completely irrelevant. You know, guys, if you weigh 230 pounds and you're doing curls with 10-pound dumbbells, no, you, you got to pump up a little bit of weight. We'll get to that later. Um, that's number two. Number three, uh, a, a, a repeat creditor on this one, and this is one that I had on my list as well, um, but Lisa McKenzie seconded it, um, volume overload all the time, just high volume. We're just going to throw the kitchen sink at these workouts all the time. You're going to be in there for two and a half hours because hell, you know, I mean, we'll be exhausted at that point. So that's productive, right? Wrong, wrong. Your goal should be to get the maximum amount of muscular fatigue you can with the lowest amount of volume. Now, that being said, cycling your volume periodically is a good thing. I tend to favor a little bit more of a high volume approach for than than, than some people do. Uh, I'm not a Mike Menser who is famous for his 20 to 30 minute um, high intensity workouts. Um, but you know, I think you know a quality session should be you know 60 to 75 minutes if you can get it done. And certainly, I've written programs before that are designed for more like 40, 45 minute sessions. That's good. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's a higher degree of difficulty. Um, it takes a much higher degree of body awareness and mind muscle connection to get a maximum amount of fatigue in a short amount of time. So, um, you know, this goes back to like that Arthur Jones hit training that we talked about uh, a couple months ago. You know. 
total body workouts or things that are designed to be shorter, they're a lot more difficult to pull off. And unless you're a really advanced lifter and you've got really great mind-muscle connection and really good body coordination, it's just hard to pull that off. It's hard to make it work. So um, you, you can certainly go too far the other direction. But certainly if your workouts are two, two and a half hours all the time, unless you're a genetic freak, you're probably um, probably working against um, <laughs> against yourself. You're, you're kind of, again, making yourself swim uphill. So uh, it's easy to exhaust a muscle group in two hours. It's a lot harder but a lot more productive to do it in one or even less. Um, a corollary to that, no deload, no recovery time. That's more of a powerlifting concept. And so not surprisingly, former client of mine, Boone, chimed in with that one. Um, so, But yeah, he's right. Especially if you're powerlifting, uh, you need to program in some deload time as well. And you know, take, take a day off periodically. Your body needs that. Um, let's see. Number four. I alluded to this one earlier. This one comes from Emily Buffbear. Lifting too light. Yeah. I mean, you know, we... we I have chimed in about this many times about, you know, you're lifting too heavy, you're lifting too light, you're lifting too much weight, you know, your form is being compromised, but you've got to be lifting enough to really challenge the muscle at the same time. So uh, I know there there is a celebrity trainer out there that is famous for her, you know, pink dumbbell workouts, and uh, I, I would love to have her level of success um, as far as millions of followers on social media, but not if I have to get there with BS garbage like that. So, um Lifting too light. I mean, we don't really need to go into that too deeply, but clearly, I like lightweight stuff for warm ups. But then, you know, I'm warming up. I, I will warm up with five or 10 pounds on curls. I will just to kind of grease the skids on the elbow a little bit, get them happy, get a little bit of blood in the muscle, get things warmed up. Uh, but that can't be a working set. I, I can feel some fatigue in there. Like if I do it for 20, 30 reps with five pound dumbbells, I mean, yeah, I'm going to get a little fatigue in there. That doesn't necessarily mean it's productive. It's productive as a warm up. It's not productive as a working set. So you've always got to be um, mindful of trying to push the envelope on weight for your working sets, but not to a point where just brute forcing reps and things get sloppy and you're not feeling it anymore. So that is number four. And number five, and this one was just me, um, and th this is a improper range of motion. And we've talked about this a lot. We've all seen, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, this one's kind of a duh thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I see that all the time. The dudes who do like those two inch leg presses, or quarter squats, uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. One of the biggest things that I see people screw up on with this is curls. You don't extend the elbow all the way. It becomes more of a shoulder hinge, and you turn a curl into something that's more akin to a front raise than anything else. You got to take the muscle through its entire range of motion. Now, th there is value in partial range of motion for certain things, absolutely. Like 21s for curls, where you force you know, the lower half of the range of motion, you force the upper half of the range of motion, and then you go into full reps. Yeah, I mean, there's value in that. You can do partials, you know, pulse reps, those kind of things. But you should only do those if you really have a good and proper understanding of what full range of motion means. And that should be your bread and butter, the staple of your diet. Speaking bread and butter sounds really good. Did I mention I'm doing intermittent fasting right now? I'm recording this 20 minutes before the end of my fasting window. I'm starving right now. Um, so I'm going to try and avoid food analogies here. So, uh, but yeah, what, what you should target is always, you know, focus on 
how do you get the muscle into its shortest position? It's easiest to visualize this with a bicep because you can visually see it ball up. Um, so when, when you're at the top of a curl, it, the bicep is fully flexed, the elbow is fully flexed, the bicep's in its fully contracted position. That's as short as it can get. You always want to make the muscle as short as you can get it. And then when you uh, go through the negative then, you let the bicep stretch back out. You want to let it get as long as it's able to by fully extending the elbow as well. That makes the rep harder. That's going to make the weight that you move less. It's going to force a brief reset in between reps. All of those things add to the difficulty, um, but they also add to how, how fully you actually work the muscle. So it's a good good rule of thumb to always, um, whenever you're in a workout, always have one exercise where you really force that fully stretched position. Like you don't have to on everything, but at some point during a workout, you should really work the muscle from a stretched position and really emphasize that full range of motion um, just for, for mobility, if nothing else. Um, it will help with that, but it will also help with getting a more comprehensive pump and increasing blood flow all around. So there you have it. Those are your top five gym mistakes, according to me and the Facebook community that helped contribute to that. So I appreciate it. Once again, non-existent or bad programming, number one. Number two, emphasizing weight over form. Number three, High volume all the time. Number four, lifting too light. And number five, improper or incomplete range of motion. Okay, by request, um, this segment was requested. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate your input as always, sincerely. Um, we're going to talk peak week a little bit here. And we, we've talked about it before. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could have this conversation. Um, I, I want to go into you know a little bit about what peak week should look like, at least my interpretation of it, and also the why and how do I approach it just from a, a strategic perspective. What am I hoping to accomplish and how do we go about doing it? So clearly the disclaimer here is everybody's different. So um, as I mentioned in the intro, um, last weekend I had several people all competing and um, it was a wild week. They all had, you know, a couple of them had some similarities, but you, you had like, you know, actually two, two, two of them had, had fairly similar peak weeks. But among those four people, we had three really, really different strategies, just depending on what prep looks like, what your body type is like, how your body responds to carbs, how it responds to water, what your digestion is like. You know, all of those things respond uh, just are, can be extremely variable. Uh, so the last thing you want to do is take a cookie-cutter approach to peak week. A couple things are true. Um, by the time peak week rolls around, you should have a pretty good idea of how your body's going to handle all the variables. So there shouldn't really be a whole lot of surprises. Another thing would be you shouldn't be changing stuff big time. Um, if, if you find yourself drastically changing your variables and doing like really, really aggressive water and sodium loading, no, no none of that's necessary. The, the caveat is you know, if you're doing men's bodybuilding at a high level, yeah, maybe. Maybe. And, you know, if you're that lean, those changes can have a bigger impact. If you're doing bikini figure, I would, I would even say, you know, men's or women's physique, not really, you know, I mean, you need to be lean, but you're going to screw things up more with a really aggressive and elaborate peak week. Uh, you're more likely to do that than you are to really make things work uh, better and improve things. So my, my general thought, especially for the bikini division is, 
you know, a week before the show, you should pretty much wake up looking like you're ready to hop on stage. And then all we need to do is not screw that up for peak week. We can tighten up a little bit. So I'm going to manipulate a couple variables, but not much. Um, the leaner you get, the more you can get away with doing. But if you find yourself doing really, really ridiculous carb and water and sodium manipulation, I mean, you got to think of why you're doing that stuff. And so that's what I would like to dig into here. There are a few variables that I'm really, really focusing on. Um, one of them is water. So that the main thing that I'm really concerned about there is subcutaneous water storage. You know, you're going to hold on to some water. Um, you can, one thing that's worth considering here, you can take a diuretic, like an over-the-counter diuretic, like MHP Expel, just plain old dandelion root or whatever. So, you know, all those are fairly mild. They're not going to do much. I don't really recommend anybody ever take those unless they're like, hey, I've got this. Can I take it? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, they aren't going to make a huge difference, though. Um, the, 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 that's something that you should take like the last three, four, maybe five days leading into the show. Um I see so many times people are obsessed with like, you know, sweating as much as they can so they can lose water and like they're not even preparing for a show. So like, what are you doing? I mean, you need to work, you need to sweat. Yeah. But you know, wearing all this crap, this, um, these, these gels and things that you rub on to make you sweat more and wearing these wraps around it. Stupid. Stupid, stupid. You're, you're wasting your time. I mean, more importantly, you're wasting your money on products that don't really do anything. Um, the, those things are, you know, water loss is temporary. So focusing on trying to lose or manipulate water before like the last three or four days out from the show, you're completely wasting your time because your body is smarter than that. And it's going to figure out what you're trying to do. And it, I mean, if anything, you're probably just going to end up retaining more water. So, um, the, the, so water is one variable. We need, to, we need to worry about total body water, where it's being stored. Um, we want to get as much of it out of the subcutaneous layer under the skin and into the muscle instead um, in the form of glycogen. So glycogen will, will load up with carbs and how, much, how, how many carbs you load up with is completely dependent on how much muscle you're carrying around and how depleted you are. If you dieted and you had a lot of carbs in your system, relatively. Um, I, I can think of um, a guy that I'm working with now, Max. Hey, Max, how you doing? Um, he is he is dieting right now. And I should pull up his plan right now. So he is right about two weeks out as of today. And um, I tell you what, you want to talk about people who are hard workers. I mean, Max puts me to shame, just the effort that he puts in day in, day out. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So right now, we do have him down on training days to 290 grams of carbs. Um, we are not going to need a super aggressive carb load up for him because he's not going to be depleted going into the show. And I'm not going to deplete him going into the show. He already looks really hard. We just need to dry him out a little bit. So, you know, we don't need to get crazy with it. Now, if you're carrying a lot of muscle and you're doing prep like in ketosis or something like that, or very, very low carb, um, you're going to be really flat. And so you will want to increase your carb intake to help fill you out. 
that's all there is to it. You know, carbs turn into glycogen uh, along with water. You've got to have water in your system to help seat those carbs in the muscle. That's part of the manipulation, um, getting stuff out of the subcutaneous layer. You know, we'd, when you start to restrict your water intake a little bit, but then you increase your carb intake, this is kind of where the magic happens for the last couple days. You want to load up your carbs later on. You restrict your water intake so there's just enough water in your system to help seat those carbs in the muscle. And if you're not, if your if your water intake is relatively low, your body's going to pull that from somewhere else. The idea is we pull it from the subcutaneous layer. So it takes the water that's already in your body, just reshuffles it around and repurposes it, puts it to good use. That's the idea. Sodium, um, you know, so sodium does a few things. So sodium will promote water retention if you spike your intake with sodium, um, which can be a bad thing. But at the same time, sodium also really, really helps promote muscle hardness, muscle fullness, contractile ability. So if you're looking to for, again, for a really good, hard, wicked pump before you go out, you want to make sure you've got plenty of sodium in your system. And if you're already restricting your water intake, it's going to be hard to then spike and hold a bunch of water. It might be enough to where you could see it on the scale, but if you're checking the scale and worrying about what that number says on show day for any reasons other than just as a, a random curiosity, you're, you, you've lost the whole idea. It doesn't matter how much you weigh. It's about how you look, how you feel, what kind of a pump you can get on show day. So the sodium can really help with that. Um, another thing to consider is overall food volume. So think about this. You wake up and usually um, most of us in the morning, we feel like we are at our leanest. Our stomach's empty. You know, we can flex the details there. And then as you eat and eat and eat throughout the day, your food baby grows a little bit. Your stomach starts to get distended, especially with water intake. Um, and, and typically as the day goes on, it, it's less and less of a good look, which is why a lot of people want to take their progress pictures earlier in the morning, just so they can get kind of a default look of themselves. So playing around with food volume a little bit on show day, I'm a big fan of keeping your diet pretty much by the book on show day. I'm going to cut down on fibrous veggies a little bit. I'm going to cut down on your protein volume a little bit. I'm going to push those extra carbs in your system just because, you know, that matters. We're going to cut back on water intake, mostly just because I don't want all that stuff sloshing around in your gut. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. I want to cut down on the food volume a little bit. Other factors that are that to be considered, saturated fats are one thing that I think are a boon. Again, not universally. And by this time, you know, we, by the time you get to show day, we know. You know, I've, I've sent people out for a, a burger and fry cheat meal often enough. And then my question is always, how do you look the next morning? Um, so going out for a burger and fries the night before the show can be a really good thing. And then we might want to wake up and shove some pancakes down your gullet in the morning as well, because we get those carbs in your system. It's relatively low volume because it's a calorically dense food. We get some sugars in there from the syrup as well. It's a good combination to really get things moving. So you don't want to go in blind, however. So it's always a good idea to have a trial run at this stuff. You know, you're six weeks out, do a cheat meal, see how it does you basically. And usually the, the answer is, you know, fullness is off the charts, vascularity is increased. Um, you know, you got, you feel full as hell going to bed, but you wake up the next morning, maybe you're up a little bit on the scale, but you're like, damn, I feel tight. Okay, great. Notch that away. We're going to store that one in the bank and keep that one in, uh, in mind for what to do the night before show day. Other people, they don't respond well, like it upsets their stomach and, you know, nobody wants to go on stage feeling like you've got to take a crap all day long. You know, so you don't want to introduce unknown quantities into your system that you haven't tried out before. That's the big thing. So it, it comes down to how we manipulate all of these variables. So water intake, 
shuffling glycogen around, getting a good amount of sodium, monitoring food volume, saturated fats for some people, um, and then sugars, you know, the proverbial shit loading right before you go up on stage. That's a whole other discussion. So when it comes to peak week, I mean, the, the big thing is, is water and taking your body water that you already are carrying around. You know, you, you can't lose all of it. Um, you can lose a good bit of it, but a lot of people really try too hard to do that and in doing so end up actually damaging their physique. So capitalize, r- rather than trying to shed every little drop of water and sweat everything out and go sit in the sauna before you're weighing and all that crap, um, use the water that you have and put it to good use, you know, carb load intelligently and um, go in with a plan. But then I always am asking people on show day, how's your pump? How are things coming along? You know, let's do a quick five-minute pump-up check with the bands backstage. You know, we've got an hour and a half before we go on. How are things feeling? How's that pump coming? Does it does it come pretty easily, or is it like, man, struggle? Okay, let, let's bring in some carbs, maybe bring in some additional water as well. See if we can, you know, get the get the blood flowing into the right spots, and see if we can get that glycogen shuffling around a little bit more, ideally. So that's the idea. But if you go into peak week hoping for a miracle. Um, all you're going to do is make things worse. You're never going to fix anything in the final week um, because there's nothing that happens in peak week that really has anything to do with fat loss. And if you aren't lean enough, peak week ain't going to help you. You can lose all the water in the world, but you're still not going to be lean enough. The only thing that might happen is it might make your suit fit a little bit more comfortably. Um, and, you know, there's some value in that. And also, um, you know, because I, I, in full honesty, I've worked with clients where I'm like, man, and, and I I'll always try to tell them ahead of time, like six weeks out, eight weeks out, we've had some problems. This prep isn't going as well as we would have liked. You know, maybe we can find a show that's two, three weeks later. And they're like, I'm going on a vacation. I can't. I got to do this one. All right, cool. We're going to do everything that we can. Um, and we, we get to show day and we're not as, you know, we're, we get to peak week. I'm like, man, uh, we're really behind. Not quite where I want to be. Um, I tell you what, there is a lot of value in giving people something to do that makes it feel like they're being productive and that they're they're making a dent um, in what they want to do. Mindset has a lot to do with it. What you don't want to do is have somebody walking on stage where they think, God, I'm not lean enough and my coach gave up on me for peak weeks so I haven't been doing shit because judges are going to see that on your face. I mean, you're not going to be able to fake that. If you're feeling miserable, they will see it. Whereas if you're like, man, and you know... I, I don't like giving people busy work to do like here, let's make this week really hard and really awful just cause we can, but you know, whatever we can do, I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to be realistic. I'm like, we're not quite as lean as we should be. We should be like a pound or two tighter, but you know what? We're going to try and do everything that we can. We're going to make it happen. And so you put forth a reasonable plan. Um, you execute it well, you feel better about it. And then you get up on stage and you, you, it, it's very easy to see on your face. Like I did everything I could. So I think there's value in that. I don't ever want anybody to go into peak week with illusions like your body is totally going to change. You're going to drop 10 pounds this week. And even though you're not ready now, you will be by the end of the week. No, come on, man. Uh, It's just, it's not going to happen. You can do some pretty crazy things. um, But oftentimes it's, it's just subtle things that really do it. Just manipulating water intake. I'm not a fan of spiking to three gallons, especially if you're somebody who weighs 120 pounds. Spiking your intake to three gallons is ridiculous. Two is fine. Two is plenty. <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, you got to figure that's another variable in your your digestive quality as well as your fluid intake. So spiking your fluid intake for a lot of people, that's going to have them like 
in the bathroom all day or out of it for several days. So you got to be careful about that too. And maintaining proper digestion is important through peak week. So um, don't try and do anything too crazy. If your coach has you doing anything really crazy, ask why. And if they say, just trust me, that's a good sign that you shouldn't. <laughs> that means that they don't know why you're doing it. And they are hoping you don't ask, and we're just going to go with the whole trust the process thing. That is BS. That don't fly. If your coach doesn't answer directly questions that you ask, they probably shouldn't be a coach. I will just say that right now. So anyway, that's peak week. Not as explained by an organic chemistry expert because I am not, but based on my anecdotal experience working with a lot of people doing it myself, um, that's my approach. Less is more. Don't hope for a miracle. Focus on how to manipulate your body water that you carry around as best you can. Think about sodium. Think about food volume. Experiment with some saturated fats and some sugars as well. Just small, subtle little changes should do the trick just nicely. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. In closing this week, um, a confession and also I'll play a little good news, bad news game with you. So the confession is the way that I record this is each segment I will typically record as a different, well, in a, in a different session basically. So um, I will often, um, like this week we had two segments. There was one on peak week and then there was one on, uh, what was it? <laughs> top gym mistakes. I'm, I'm tipping my hand right here. Um, so I recorded those both um, one day and then I'd actually recorded the music of the week interview with Veronica before that. Um, I recorded the pet peeve at some point during the week. And then once that's all wrapped up, I, uh, I do the intro because then I need to introduce how, you know, what we're talking about, what's going on. And I don't really know that until I put it all together. So the intro actually gets recorded last usually. Um, but then if there are closing thoughts, I will record those last. So it is now Monday. I meant to get this posted on Friday. So that is the confession. And also the good news, bad news is, um, the bad news is I am really late getting this up. Oops, and I'm a little embarrassed. The good news is um, Mary competed over the weekend, so I have her results. She got third in her class, which is awesome. For a first show, pretty happy with how she came in. Um, so um, she put in a lot of work, made a ton of progress. If you look at um, uh, look at my Pinterest or on Instagram, um, I've, I've posted comparison photos of her from when she started up until you know about a week or two out. Um, the progress is just pfft, she, she absolutely killed it. She did a great job with that. So congrats to her, and now we are officially in growth phase for her. So should be good times, and we'll be looking at doing a, uh, a future show down the road as well. So um, but that's it. Um, so no no words of wisdom for you, just some, a little behind-the-scenes action on how it works here. So uh, I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Thanks for listening once again. Um, anybody that wants to get in contact with me, any get, get any particulars about the show, you can now check out thedropset.com with all of the specifics there. There, including the phone number that you can call. Leave a message, ask your questions, 865-518-2974. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week.